hello and welcome to a special edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. I'm Amy McDonald, yoga student, teacher, and yoga business coach. In this special episode, I'm taking you inside the Business of Yoga speaker series where you'll meet yoga teachers, experts, and entrepreneurs from all over the world. I'm not kidding. We're going to Melbourne, Singapore, London, Barcelona, San Francisco, New York, and more talking all things growing your yoga business. I hope you love learning from my guests as much as I enjoyed interviewing them. And if you do, please leave a review for this podcast. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Business of Yoga Speaker Series. Uh, I'm Amy McDonald. I am uh, the, the host of this party. I hope you're enjoying everything that we've been covering so far. We've definitely covered some ground and some geography. And today is no exception because we're going to Indonesia to meet the beautiful... Now she's going to mess it up. Oh, Marilyn Henry. Oh, you got it right. You, you say it. It's so beautiful when you say it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's the difficulty of French language. The names are so complicated. No, the French language is beautiful. It's just I'm clumsy and from, you know, this huge hulking <laughs> island down under. So lovely. Uh, welcome. And thanks for being a part of our series and thanks for bringing a little bit of Bali to my afternoon. Thank you for inviting me. It's so nice to get out of Bali for me and, and connect with different parts of the world. So really, thank you for the opportunity. Hey, you're welcome. I'm going to read out your bio so that folks who don't know you yet can get a better sense of what you're about and the um, beautiful things that you're blending together in the places where you're offering them. So folks, uh, as an ex-corporate strategist, my beautiful guest decided to go deeper into her knowledge of the human body by leaving her corporate career in Dubai. That's interesting in itself. Like talk about a place <laughs> to be a little bit disconnected from the little bit of, anyway, and back to school to complete a PhD in osteopathy. When not studying, she runs a yoga school in Bali and teaches anatomy workshops in Indonesia and the UAE. She's passionate about the integrity of the human body and after observing the rise of yoga injuries, is making it her personal mission to spread as much awareness as she can about mindful practice that respects the body. Yes, that's my mission. It really is my mission. I've witnessed so many weird things of people just pushing the body in the wrong directions and then being in pain. And it's so it's the opposite of yoga. So because there was something fundamentally wrong with that and it didn't sit well with me, I made it my mission, my calling, and I, I left everything I had built in Dubai, which is an amazing city for yoga, by the way, contrary to what people think, um, and made my way to Indonesia to do my PhD and spread more awareness about respecting the body in yoga and going back to the, the source of using yoga as a way to find yourself and respect yourself and find that enlightenment and inner peace rather than pushing the body for the wrong reasons, which are aesthetic. Um, so yeah, here I am now. It's been two years that I'm here in Bali and, and teaching in yoga teacher trainings, uh, my own as well as collaborating with other teachers to mm. teach anatomy. Love it. I love it. I, um, it always blows my mind. You know, I have a retreat every year, um, in Thailand that's just for yoga teachers to come and do business training. And so inevitably we have this beautiful room full of teachers with all sorts of different backgrounds, studied different lineages, been teaching different amounts of time. And so it's great because everybody can learn from each other. But one of the things that always blows my mind is the skill set that is underrepresented 
the most by far is anatomy knowledge. Like yes. by far, like if I just name a major muscle, like maybe half <laughs> the room can put their finger on it. And I'm talking, these are t- the qualified teachers and I, it frightens me that um, we can hurt people. <laughs> we can. We, we work with human bodies. I mean, we're not at like 200, 500 years ago where yoga was a lot about meditation and that inner journey. Today's reality is that yoga is a physical practice that helps us get into that spiritual journey. Yeah. But yet we spend so little time on anatomy. And I understand why. I've noticed that, well, as you mentioned, most teachers are bored of anatomy. They don't find it interesting. They don't yeah. learn it. And then they go and train other teachers with that same um, with that same approach, anatomy has been made really boring. And I spend a lot of time talking to other teachers out there and asking what they learn in anatomy. And often, yeah, they learn the origin and insertion of muscles and they spend <laughs> a lot of time with the names of the bones. And all that is yep. really interesting when you're an osteopath. But when you're a yoga teacher, what you care is more the functional stuff. Yes. What yeah. is the impact of the body? Which muscle, without naming it, which muscles are, are related to each other? Which muscle, if it becomes weak, will have to be compensated and then will create imbalances in the body? And once you have that knowledge, it's so easy to apply. Even in a group class, you have 20 students in front of you, but you have that skill of being able to identify like, no, something is wrong with that person. Let me maybe give another cue so that they don't injure themselves. So, yeah, I think making anatomy more interesting and practical and functional will help spread that awareness. And that's what I'm doing right now, trying to make it as fun as I can. But also, I, uh, Yoga Alliance, um, as most people know, has gone through that whole review. And there, it, there seems to be really an emphasis on bringing more anatomy or more practical anatomy into your classes. Mm-hmm. So I find it really reassuring. Um, because it's not normal to be in pain, especially from the practice of yoga. And I, I, I know in my body, like actually yoga asana these days is um, uh, not something that I can do very often because I have chronic injuries that develop slowly over time that you never realize at the time you're doing something and now it's, you know, that fruit has ripened and, to, and my practice looks more like seated meditation because... <laughs> yeah my vinyasa is kind of like, I can't, can't anymore. So, you know, it's not even, um, I remember a friend telling me that uh, all inversions had been banned at his studio. No inversions were to be taught ever again because someone had fallen out of a headstand and hurt themselves. But actually I think it's those injuries that are the rare ones. It's the, it's the ones that develop over time because of misalignment or carelessness that are actually far more prevalent that's just my sense of it as the expert what do you think i think yoga is victim of its own success because there are amazing health benefits to yoga and i think we've promoted them so much that now people get into yoga thinking that they're doing something good for themselves but they don't necessarily do it mindfully and they do it with that very pita mindset that very driven mindset that we have at work, in our families, of trying to do more and push yourself. And that's not how yoga works. If you push the body in yoga, you're going to get the result of pushing the body like you would in anything else. 
Yes. Yeah. You know, it also dawned on me when you were talking about the importance of functional anatomy. I think that is something that maybe just my good fortune, I've had great anatomy teachers, but I've just sort of always taken for granted because you're right. Learning all the names of all the things is really boring. But being able to look at a limb and understand that it, what has to happen in my body for this to happen, Ooh. oh, then it gets to be more like a puzzle and like a riddle to, to figure out. And I think that's how I think about anatomy, which is why, because it's um, practical, it's interesting. It is. And I realized that with the years I'm spending less time with the names of the muscles yeah. and the bones and more time diving into the nervous system, for example, yeah. Yeah. diving into the fascia, understanding, yeah, what needs to happen or what is not happening and how can we make it happen? How can we use tricks with the brain, with touch, with the right cues to, yeah, to make it real, to make it come to life. And I think it's the same in philosophy. I mean, you can learn the Yoga Sutra by heart, but if you're not able to apply them to today's reality, it's just something you, apply, you learn by heart and it has no real use. So anatomy to me is the same. It's more about understanding why, asking the question, checking what's wrong, what could be made better, how can we help it, how can we drive it. Mm. And, and I think it, it's like philosophy, we were talking with Carlos Palmeida earlier in the series about how we think we know everything, but actually we're learning new things all the time. And that gets to be really interesting. I, I think I've, I've still got my biology textbooks from university and probably some of it is still good, but there'd be some of it that's actually like no good anymore. Like we know a lot more than we did 20 years ago. We do, we do. And we're at that point where I think modern science is catching up with spirituality yes, and they come together, yes. which is such an exciting time where, where I can teach fascia, connecting them to meridians. And when I can talk about nervous system, but also spiritual connection, I mean, that's where it really becomes magic. Yeah, yeah. It's cool, isn't it? Everybody's like science is catching up. I like the way that you said that. <laughs> So, you know, I also think it's interesting about um, like the temporal nature of yoga and context over time, because if you think about the original yogis, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to um, transcend the body by doing something ridiculous to myself. Like I'm going to stick my arm in the air for four years to show that I'm not the body. <laughs> you know, obviously there was some, probably some yoga injuries back then at that time. <laughs> probably. But the, <laughs> but yeah, the purpose ahead. is different. Like actually these days, we're not modern, we're not coming to the sticky mat to say, I'm going to show that I am not my body. Like you said about um, before, actually we're coming to the mat to say, I am my body. I am an integrated system. So we need to be even more careful than less, I would have thought. Yeah, well, I... To me, the approach, and I think it applied even in the, the origins of yoga, that the body's always been a tool and it was a tool to transcend and it's with hatha yoga that because that transcendence was taking lives and lives and lives and it's when within hatha yoga that yoga became like no i want to make it happen now within yes. one lifetime so that's when yoga became more of a physical practice to purify the body and allow us to reach that samadhi within one lifetime um i think we're taking that we've taken that really far <laughs> where 
we're now we're we're using yoga because it makes us healthy and it's supposed to fix all of our problems and yes it can fix so much but not all yoga if we look at the ancient text there was practices for specific purposes it was yes. not one size fits all and today again i think it's because of the the great success the great popularity of yoga that it's becoming more of a one size fits all go to the studio and it's going to be good for your health but then someone very stressed going to a hot power yoga class is just aggravating so we're losing the essence of bringing balance with the different tools of yoga hmm. I, that's a great point but it also brings up for me um about duty of care and where is the line of responsibility actually to be drawn um like what is the role of the teacher in keeping the students safe or free from injury? Is it, and I don't know, well, obviously you have a, a really strong passion about this. And even then there is, there's ownership, isn't there? There's only part of oh, it that, yeah. that's for me. Absolutely. I refuse to take responsibility for my student's body. Well, there it is uh, quite clear, folks. Absolutely. <laughs> no, but that clear. I'm there to guide people, to give them the information as safe as I can, but then whether or not they choose to apply it cannot be my responsibility, especially I think when you teach group classes, yeah. it's very important for teachers to make their students accountable for their own bodies. I stopped asking if people had injuries in my classes, except in teacher training where we work with them. But I stopped asking for people's injury because instead I say, like, if you have injuries, make sure that you protect your body. And if I say something, it doesn't mean that you have to do it. And if you have questions, I'm happy to help. But I really want to take that responsibility off me, unless I work one-to-one -one where I really have yeah. time. Yeah. As a yoga teacher, it is such a risk and it doesn't fall on our shoulder to make decisions for people. We can guide them, we can plan the right seeds, we can give them the safe cues and instructions to practice properly. But then if I made it my responsibility that they have an injury, it becomes huge. And what if they don't listen? But I know they had injury and I see them not listening. I put myself at risk legally. So I think we need to protect ourselves, and I don't want to sound very cold, but um, at the same time, it is not, I mean, yoga teachers are not doctors. People's health is not our responsibility. We can help them, we can guide them, but we cannot fix them or claim that we can manage a group of 20, 30 students all at once so that no one will have injury. I just want to like sit in that all of that, that you just because I'm just I'm just marinating in all of that goodness. I don't have partly because I live in the country, but partly because I don't do those intake forms because I don't want to collect all of I don't want to collect people's medical data. I don't have software that's legitimate and legal enough to protect medical okay. data. Yeah, but I think, um, but and I suspect that I don't. I'm not particularly comprehensive at when in, um, at a start of it like at the start of a class, but I really, it really legitimizes how I feel about it, what you just explained. And I think you're right. It does, it does presume um, that I am taking on responsibility for, at least in part, for that when I have that, that information about somebody. I think it's good to voice it out. I think it's yeah. good to make people accountable for their yeah. bodies as well, because 
we should be accountable for ourselves. We should be accountable for our own person. And it's good to be reminded like, oh yes, this is my practice. And if I choose to push myself, I'm going to suffer the consequences. So it's not only um, to me a way of protecting myself, but also to bring people into their, their bodies and into their practice so that after that, they can maybe practice at home better or apply that to the rest of their life where they become accountable for themselves. Can I go just one more step, just play this tape through a little bit more? Sure. As you were saying that, I'm thinking, yeah, I agree with you totally. And I know that I've got hip pain now from pushing too far, external rotation too far for too long, bend your knee to a square, all that bullshit, never should have done it, did anyway. <laughs> um, have that pain, can't do asymmetrical standing poses now. And I would never blame my teacher for that. I totally get that. That's on me. Like I did that to myself. Mm -hmm. And yet there is something in um, like, because I didn't know better at the time. So it's, tr it's a tricky space. I totally agree with you that, okay, you've told me that you've got some kind of kneecap thing. And so I'm going to, now I feel responsible for it. No, we don't want to get into that. But at the same time, we like, we can't presume that our students actually know enough to be able to know themselves. So how do you help build that so that your students actually are more informed to make better decisions about their own practice? Um, when we talk group classes, yeah. um, so a few things. First of all, my approach of queuing, and that's something that I've learned over time working in Dubai because Dubai is a very pushy city and mm. very active and very mm. type A personality. Angular. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I realized that the best way for me to protect people is to not give them any challenges. You know, when you approach different variation of a pose, yeah. if you approach it that one is better than the other, then yeah, the temptation is to push. Yeah, people are going to go for the more difficult yeah. one because yeah. of that internal challenge of, yes, I can do it. Um, so I changed my approach of um, uh. explaining these, um, these variation and also um, the safety cues. Um, so in any pose not only make sure that your knee align with your your foot but more like you want to make sure that blah 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 if you feel any pain or if you have in the past have had a knee problem hip problem this is a pose that you could adapt this way mm. it makes the class much more complicated it's not possible in a vinyasa class for example mm. uh, where you have like that very fast space where yeah. you have to sacrifice the alignment but the the purpose of vinyasa is more of that taking the mind um, into that focus of, of movement. So mm. it's more of a, vinyasa for me is more of a meditation, but mm. a slower class. And I will take the time to explain um, what to do or not to do or where we should be careful, where we mm. shouldn't feel pain, and then add the, the little extra bits of how we can protect the body. So. I find it super important for me to have my students get out of the class with some learning, not just oh, I've done yoga, but oh, today I've learned that my hamstrings are connected there. So when I use it this way, it's more effective. Yeah. Um, and I try to do that as much as possible with um, those poses that could create injuries. And frankly, unless it's a very specific problem, there are a few categories of 
issues in yoga, rotator cuff injuries, knee problem, hip problem. Mm. If we're careful with these three, um, we've covered a lot of them, I think. It's, it's, it's super good, super good. I, I, um, I really think this is a great conversation. So thank you so much for sharing all of your insight about this. And folks, if you're like, if you're feeling triggered about it, if this is polarizing, <laughs> where can like find us on Instagram? Send us a message. This is this is just great conversation. If you're like, what? You don't ask about it. <laughs> having a meltdown. Like this gets to be part of a conversation. Um, you know. Because all of the, you know, the entire series, what we're doing is presenting different voices and having great discussion. And, I, I, you know, if this is controversial, great, talk to us. <laughs> I think it's... I'd be happy to, to yeah. continue the conversation, yeah. definitely. And so you were um, telling me before we, we started um, recording that you've now, you, you've been teaching, part of the teaching faculty for other teachers, but now, in fact, you've crafted your own yoga teacher training and it starts soon so tell us more tell us more about that uh, right so yeah I finally put together my own curriculum after um, I've been collaborating with my own teacher for years uh, still teach with her uh, in Bali and sometimes in Dubai on 300 hours but I wanted to bring a 200 hour that really fit within my philosophy of respecting the integrity mm. of the body and mm bringing yoga to its practical application. So of course, I'm an anatomy geek, but I think that applies in so much more. I think that there is so many, there are so many topics that are not covered in depth. Um, and so many old school approaches to teaching yoga. I wanted to bring something that's more practical uh, in the approach of teaching, using the nervous system, uh, for example, in our approach of teaching to have effective cues, to have impacts on the students. The, uh, I have a lot of hands-on uh, practical adjustment mm -hmm. because I feel that people don't get to try to touch people properly. Yeah. So we go into depth, into the approach of touching, into where to touch, how to adjust the direction and things like that. Um, I have a huge focus on the business of yoga because it's great to do a yoga teacher training, but then what? So um, I'm very proud the last teach, uh, teacher training that I run. I think 10 out of 11 students are now teaching and it's so, been only a few months. So okay. to me, it's a pride. You know, it's not, yes. I understand that many people do a teacher training just to go deeper into their yoga journey, but the reality is they all fall in love with teaching. That's my story. So, totally. Yeah. So how to, um, yeah, how to approach the business of yoga, how to start, where to start, what to charge. Uh, I even added recently um, an optional workshop because I want to keep it out of the curriculum, but I have an optional workshop on yoga branding and Instagram and all that more superficial Sorry. stuff that is so irritating as a yogi, but this, it's so essential because we live in a physical reality. And if we want to spread yeah. yoga, we need to be part of that physical reality. If we want to help people, we need to be approachable to them. So, yeah, it's a very, very practical training. A lot of emphasis, of course, on anatomy and uh, little touches of therapeutic applications of yoga. Um, but yeah, very practical, very hands-on, um, whether it's in philosophy, in teaching approach, in 
how to use the bread, very, very practical. So I'm super proud. We're having Ooh. the first one in uh, June, starting June 16. Uh, the next one will be in October. And after that, my big challenge this year uh, was to launch one in French. So I'll have a French Ooh. training in November. Fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah. Very excited about all that. So the ones, so the two that are the English ones, are they both going to be in Bali or yep. Dubai? Yeah, Bali is fantastic to host yoga teacher training. Um, of course, yoga origins from uh, India, but the Hinduism culture is so strong yeah. in Bali. There's that um, really dedication to the God, that living in gratitude constantly with ceremonies happening every day. So it's really an amazing place to, uh, to host teacher training and to immerse people in that, um, that spirit of, of gratitude and ceremony and, and respecting the God. But also, Bali has a very special energy for anyone who's been there uh, with an open mind. It really puts you in front of what you need to face. Um, so it just turned out to be really the best place to host these. And it is beautiful. We're renting privatized retreat centers that are just <laughs> outstanding with the most delicious food. Right. And, you know, I, before the corporate career, I was working in event management. So for me, it's so important that the whole experience becomes something magical, yeah. something that will mark people for the rest of their life and transform them. I love that. And I also think, um, I also think that choosing locations like that but also frees the teacher up to be really present in the role of teacher and not worrying about not being the concierge and the housekeeping <laughs> and the, and the, and the, like, so that the teachers feel very supported yeah. as well so that you can really be present with your people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it makes up for being a very intensive training to be in that um, very smooth and easy environment that's built for that, yeah. that journey of growth. Yeah. I remember my first, the first retreat I ever taught in Bali was not uh, well supported at all. It was a disaster, <laughs> but we survived. I think I made $2,000 at the end. Yeah. yeah. yeah that. Well, that's yeah. a choice. That's a choice. You know, there's a price <laughs> war right now going on on teacher training because there are so many out there. And, um, and then when you dive into it, yeah, it's not a well supported place. Maybe the meals are not included or they're very average. And, I didn't want that because I'm putting yeah. people in training for 10 to 12 hours a day. Yeah. I don't have time for them to worry about bad food. You know? yeah, I right. want them to focus on the right priority. And it's interesting that you said that about a, a price war with yoga teacher trainings. And to, I mean, I guess I knew that, but I hadn't heard it said so succinctly because I think where the beauty is, is um, diversification. You know, that, that it, it I mean, you, within a 200-hour container, you're blending in your own particular focus, which is going to appeal to a certain type of person. And yeah. someone else is blending in Ayurveda and someone else is blending in whatever. But I actually think that um, I'd like to think that there is so much room for all sorts of yoga teacher trainings that have different areas of expertise and that we don't need to get competitive about pricing. I'm sure it happens. But like you said, maybe it happens for where the business model is more about lots of teacher trainings to make a profit rather than Maybe. this is my heart calling, this is what I have to share no matter what, this is what I've crafted and I'm offering it up and looking to meet people at that matching vibration. 
Yes, and that's the approach I took. And yeah. I, I think that it's a bit forced. I call it price war. It might be um, exaggerated. But so. when it comes to choosing a retreat or yoga teacher training, there's so much choice that it's very difficult, I believe, for students to know Sure. which one talks to them yeah. i mean we all have a sales page that can say anything yeah um that could all say the same and i think people i have the feeling that a lot of the time students will book based on the dates that they're available yep. and the price that they're going to pay and i understand that it's a huge investment to do yoga teacher training um i made the choice not to sacrifice on the quality and it makes it yeah different so i I get people that want to learn with me rather than a decision that was made because of, of the dates and time. Um, so that brings me another quality of students as well. That brings me students that have the same interests, the same passion, the same desires to, to have an approach to yoga that's, that can be applied and then shared with the world. I love that. I also think that we were talking to Danny Pomploon earlier and he was saying that he does a 300-hour teacher training as a student every year to stay fresh. And I wonder about, um, I know for me, I lucked out. I didn't know better, but I lucked out and got an amazing first 200-hour chance um, because I didn't know anything. I didn't even mm -hmm. know what Mr. Iyengar was. Like, I knew nothing. didn't even know that there was such a thing as yoga pants. I came up through Shivananda. <laughs> I really knew nothing um, and lucked out. But I suspect that actually people, you're totally right. It's about, can I get there? I've just broken up with my boyfriend. I need to, like, go for a month uh, you know that happens I wonder if more people it would be interesting over time to see if in fact you're attracting people who this is not their first 200 hours they might have um, done one played with it and then gone huh actually I need quality and expertise I wonder if that will be more of the students that you attract I'm getting these inquiries I'm in communication with a few ladies who recently did the 200 hour and yeah. and don't take me wrong it was I don't believe there is a bad yoga teacher no, training no, because no. it is an experience a growth experience on its own um, but yeah I'm, I'm having either students that met me in other yoga teacher training because I was teaching a couple of workshops or that look at the curriculum and like oh yeah I didn't get what I wanted from my previous yoga teacher training um, so yeah, I do get a lot of them and now I need to focus on this one, but as soon as possible, I want to launch it 300 hours as well, <laughs> because I think there, um, I'm going to be able to, to touch those people that didn't get the full hmm. knowledge or full application after, after their 200 hour. And, and it's a shame. It's a shame to spend um so much time learning and so much money for that growth and then not feel ready to teach and apply these after um after that but i would tell these people just go ahead and and try because yes. that's how we learn i yes. mean as much theory as as we share with our students you learn the most when you're when you're teaching that's true. Uh, folks, I, I, um, we were having a very brief conversation again before we started the camera about um, th there, is a, there is a way of thinking in yoga land that says that once you finish your 200 hours, you mm -hmm. should go out and teach as much as you can for nothing. Just teach your friends, teach for free, just get lots of experience. 
And you were saying to me before we started the camera that, in fact, you're not a fan of this mentality. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. And again, I might sound controversial. Do it. Um, no, no. I maybe, maybe it's the corporate, maybe it's the corporate still in me, but no, I don't believe in that. I think it's great if you want to teach your mom and, and your sister and your friend for free to gain a bit of experience. But from what I've seen in my years of teaching and teaching in yoga teacher training is or in general in life for that matter, is that we don't value what we get for free. So we don't get as much commitment from our clients when we teach for free. They're there feeling that they're doing us a favor or so, you know, the commitment is not there. And I think for ourselves as well, if we don't value what we're teaching enough, what is the quality of of what we're going to deliver? If we're giving something for free versus being paid, we're definitely not going to put the same effort. Um, my corporate strategy background was in human resources. Um, so we were playing a lot with those uh, salary ranges and everything. And it is proven that people that receive too low of a salary will not put the effort or too high of a salary will not put the effort either because they feel like they're not, like they're getting too much money for what they're doing. So there's a disconnect. Um, so I think charging the right amount is not only good for the client who commits, but also for us to give back for what we perceive as the value that we're giving. So my graduate students, I always tell them, like, value your work. If you don't value your own work, who's going to do it? And of course, people are asking for stuff for free all the time. And we're so used to freebies and, you know, those thousands of bottles of water and and pens that we get that just end up um, in the trash because we don't value them. But then the bottle of water that you paid for, you keep it very preciously, right? Well, I think it's the same in yoga. Um, Not only that, but we need to be serious. It's not because it's a spiritual practice that it should be free. And spiritual practice has never been free. The Brahman and or modern priest. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay, they may not get a salary. Certain religions, they do get a salary, but they were getting support from the community in another way. So there was always that exchange, that kind of barter of I'm providing guidance, but you're making sure that I eat. Well, today that energy exchanges in the form of money. How can we, as yoga teacher, thrive and spread our message when we're stressed because we cannot pay our rent or we cannot eat properly? So I think we need to respect our work enough to admit that it has value. And even as a beginner, maybe not charge as much, but mm-hmm. charge enough so that we put our heart into what we do and we want to over-deliver over-delivering from free is not much, but over-delivering from $20, $30, $40 an hour, then it becomes um, kind of a work where we feel obligated to deliver value for for a client. So again, it's more of a modern practical approach I have um, in yoga with money, but I find it very frustrating to to see yoga teachers that don't perceive their own worth, don't perceive their own value when they know how much yoga helped them. So why not give that to someone else and gift it to to yourself? I love that. I also think that um, actually receive charging and receiving money and all of that piece of it is also a skill that you need to develop 
yeah. part of your teaching and being a yoga teacher, you need to, I, I sucked at physically receiving, like I was physically uncomfortable receiving cash from people when I first started. I had to, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway. It was a skill that I had to develop. And I think it's just part of the skill set that atrophies if you're not using it. So I think it's also true a, a teaching skill that needs to, you need to hit the ground running with, okay, now you have to process a payment. Now you have to tell someone, <laughs> well, actually it's $20. They're, they're all skills. Yeah, it is skills of running a business yeah. and developing business skills and what you're doing for, for your audience, I think is so wonderful because again, that's something that we don't spend a lot of time training our teachers on. Yeah. Um, and if more teachers were trained to run businesses and to be successful in their business, then the message would just be spread wider. Yeah. So we all benefit from it. And it's not about being egocentric or superficial when you charge money. It's about being able to then spread their message. I mean, advertising costs money, booking retreat costs money, having a website costs money. To be able to do all that, we also need to be able to receive. Hmm. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> it is. I don't fit in the, in the traditional mold of yoga teacher, I believe, because of all those... Yeah, conception that I have of really living in our modern reality, of not denying it um, and making it part of the success of yoga. Well, that, but that's the thing. I mean, we're lay people. We're not, you know, we're not, we're not um, sannyas. We're not like out there live, renounces from the world. We're in it. And so, of course, you're right. Like desire and, and work and effort are all part of what it means to be a spiritual practitioner as a lay person. I agree with you. I don't think it's, I actually think it's, it's in the teachings of yoga and this whole thing about woo-woo and non, like actually I think that's a misinterpretation of yogic teachings. Absolutely. Well, there's two paths. Yeah. If our path is to ourselves become liberated and we want to focus on ourselves, then yes, to go in ashram, to work for free in exchange for teaching, um, which is an amazing path, um, is very separate from choosing the path of teaching modern yoga to our weekend warriors um and it's like yeah it's like any skills when you when you go to school you don't go to your first day of school in applied physics you know you start at the beginning well if we want to teach yoga to the masses we need to get to the level of the masses and that implies that modern reality that we live in to not deny it to use it to use yeah. it as a tool to spread awareness and get more people practicing because ultimately that's that's what it's that's what it's the all practicing about. right practicing yes. right and, and without and injury <laughs> and not developing stupid ding-dong injuries like amy did thank you for reminding me of that folks if you are looking for to either to i would imagine most of the folks that are watching you've probably done it 200 hours maybe you went you know what that gets to be my breakup 200 hours. And now that I want to do a real training, uh, maybe you want to think about this one. I also think, like, take your point, like we don't need to, I don't, I'm being facetious, but I'm not trying to trash out another training. The reality is yoga is massive and no matter what you talk about, you can never fit it into a 200 hour container. So Definitely. I love that you could take a selection of different ones that have different emphasis and this um, are really I really value what you're offering because I think that we sort of went a little bit 
too far into the, you do a yoga teacher training and then you do, then you become a yoga therapist and they're different. But in fact, I think we need to bring some of that back into the role of yoga teacher because, and not that we're diagnosing or anything like that in class, but we do need to have a level of um, functional anatomy literacy um, for to understand what we're working with. Yeah, yes. totally. Yeah. yeah. So sounds fantastic. There's a button here or tell us the link for people who are listening on the podcast. Where can we find you? So they can find me on Instagram as ZazYoga or uh, on the web ZazYoga.com where all the retreats are listed, the English, French one, as well as the 300 hours that I still um, co-lead in yoga therapeutics. So everything is uh, on there. And for your audience, I'll be happy because they are all passionate about business to offer them an additional $250 discount. Um, they just need to write to me, send me an email. I'll send you a specific booking link at info at stasyoga.com. Oh my goodness. I didn't know that was coming. That's the best. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So let me just go all over all of that again. Cause everybody will be like, ah! so here, so, um, first of all, if you want to continue the conversation about intake forms or anything else, <laughs> Instagram is Zaz Yoga. That's Z-A. Yeah. Z-A-Z-Z-A-Z, you do the wherever you live. Um, and the same for the website.com, for the website where you'll get the information on the teacher trainings. Don't book the teacher training yet, though, because you need to get a special booking link so that you can receive a very generous $250 discount. Thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. I will be happy to have students passionate about business and that very practical modern reality of yoga without denying its its sources but yes very exciting to to have your audience maybe join us in our training yippee and and hang out in bali and drink coconuts and eat amazing oh, yeah. raw treats and oh, all the rest <laughs> of it body work body work body work yeah bliss 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 yeah. <laughs> thank you thank you so much amy Feeling inspired, ready to grow your own yoga business? If you're ready to share your yoga with the people who really need what you have to offer, growing your yoga business with more ease, flow, abundance, and support, check out my six-month yoga business training program, Growing Your Yoga Biz, at amymcdonald.com.au forward slash growing your yoga biz. Use coupon code bizofyoga when you check out for $500 off. Enrollments are open right now. Namaste.